1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 10. Thank you very much. All right. Now, in verse number 10, it says, But God has anointed, has revealed. See? But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. What he's talking about? He's talking about the things in verse number 9. But eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Well, what thing that God has prepared for them that love him? The new covenant. That's what the new covenant is. The thing that God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed these things to Paul by the Holy Spirit. Why did God give him the Holy Spirit? Verse number 12. Now we, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Now these things in the new covenant has been freely given to the body of Christ. Freely given to us of God. So my job is to teach you about the thing that God has freely given to us through his son. Okay? So we're going to pray. We're going to get right into God's word. Father, we thank you now for the Holy Spirit. You have given us to lead us and to guide us and to teach us. Thank you for all the listeners out there. Had a chance to know that we got our brother over in Okinawa, Japan, watching the word of the Lord this morning. What, what, an, what an awesome thing. All around the globe, people are watching this word, tuning in, getting this word for their lives. Thank you so very much. Now, Father, we bless you, we praise you, we appreciate you, and we thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that destroy every yoke and lift every burden. I pray that this word of God will, I know, it will not return void. It will prosper in the things wherever this word is sent, Father. Minister grace to your people in Jesus' precious blood and precious name we pray. Amen. All right, now what I like to do today is I like to continue. We are in part six, volume four. We are doing a series, series on the word of God revealed. The word of God revealed. And we are teaching today on the truth is the word of God revealed. So today we are teaching on the truth. Now, this is going to launch us into our next series. But we're talking about the truth. And we're going to show you if you add, God gave us the truth. If you add anything to it, it's not the truth anymore. Look at Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians chapter number 1 and verse number 13 and 14. See, if God gave us the truth, you can't add to it. So when you got people telling you about different things in the Bible, find out you can read and write. Tell them to show you that in the Bible. You can't go back to the book of Acts and show me my salvation. You can't go back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can't go in the Old Testament and show me my salvation. My salvation came to me through the Apostle Paul, the New Covenant. All right, watch what, watch what in Ephesians chapter number one. If you got a pencil, paper, uh, you can write down these scriptures and look at them later. This Tuesday, hopefully, you have one of these tapes already up on podcast. In a couple of days after that, you have another one on podcast. And you'll be able to go through these again, okay? Now, you'll be able to listen to this all day today. But after that, it will be taken down. Then you can go to podcast this week and get these tapes. And listen to them free. All right? Now, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. In whom you also trusted. Talking about Christ. After you heard the word of truth. Now my point is, if you are not preaching the word of truth or not being taught the word of truth, how are you going to trust God? Listen to what it says. In whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth. And he told you the word of truth is the gospel of your salvation. Now the gospel is the word good news. It's the good news of your salvation. In whom also after you believed... You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. God gave you the Holy Spirit of promise when you believe the word of truth. Which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Now, we are using that scripture because it's showing you 
after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, after you believe, God gave you the Holy Spirit to seal your soul, which is your earnest of your inheritance or the down payment of your inheritance. You got to have the Holy Spirit to get everything else. That's what God means. He gave you the Holy Spirit first. And because he gave you the Holy Spirit, now you can get everything else God has for your life. Now that's in Romans chapter 8. Let's back up and show you that Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 32. Romans chapter number 8. You got to have Christ first. Romans 8, 32. It says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give you all things? God can't give you all the things he has for us until he give us his son. So that's why you got to receive his son first. Well, pastor, my religion is just good as yours. Go right ahead. Go right ahead. You believe that? Go right ahead. Now, I'm not here to compete with your Bible. I'm here to tell you what's in the one I believe, and that is the King James Version. All right, I'm here to teach you what the Bible says that was handed down to, to, to the Gentiles by the Jewish nation, Israel. Now, if you got other Bibles that you're going through, that's between you and the Lord. But my job is to tell you they were the only one, the Jewish believer in the Old Covenant was the only one that knew the true and the living God. From Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Matter of fact, you want to go all the way back to Adam, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, on down to the children of Israel, all the prophets, and then to the Apostle Paul. All right? Now, watch what Paul says in the book of Romans while you're there. Paul told us in Romans chapter 11 and verse 13, Paul says, I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch I am the apostle of the Gentiles. I magnify my office. So Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. You only had Jews and Gentiles. Well, let's go back to Galatians chapter number 2. Let me show it to you. In the book of Galatians chapter number 2, and we're going to go down to verse 7. Galatians 2, 7. Paul says, but contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision, which was a gospel of the uncircumcision. Uncircumcision means Gentile did not have a covenant with God. They were called uncircumcision. Was committed to Paul, and then Paul said the gospel of the circumcision. So the Jews were circumcised. So the gospel of the circumcision was committed to Peter. All right. Now, I want to show you a verse while we are right there. Let's show you Jesus Christ's ministry. Romans chapter 15, verse 8. Let me show you Jesus Christ's ministry. Jesus Christ was not sent to the Jews, to the Gentiles, I'm sorry. Jesus Christ was sent to the Jews. Let's show you what he came to do. Romans chapter 15 and verse 8. Romans chapter 15, 8, 15 and verse 8 said, Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister. Watch this now. Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision. And remember, the circumcision I'm showing you in Galatia 2 is Jews. Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision. Why? For the truth of God. To confirm the promise. To confirm the promises made unto the fathers. So when God made promises to the fathers, and through the prophets in the Old Testament, now God, through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, you know, prophets all the way down, God made promises. Well, Jesus Christ came and confirmed the promises. He made them sure. He confirmed the promises that God made to the fathers. So that's why in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20, watch what it says. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 20. The Bible says, all the promises of God, not, not some, all the promises of God in Christ is yes, and in Christ, amen, unto the glory of God by us. All the promises of God 
has been fulfilled. That's an awesome thing. Let me read that out of the NALT, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. So it's an awesome thing in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 20. It says, all of God's promises has been fulfilled in Christ. With a redounding yes, and through Christ our amen, which means yes, or sins to God for his glory. Everything God had promised you has been fulfilled. So you can't add to the word no more. You can't add. Let me show you something else I want to read out of the NLT, and that's the Gospel of St. Matthews. I want to read that out of the 24th chapter. I'm sorry, Luke. Let's do it out of St. Luke. Luke chapter 24. Let's go down and read this. It's an awesome thing to realize God's word is already completed. So what happens is we come here 2,000 years later and we turn around and, and say you got to do this and you got to do that. No, no. God sent his son into the earth to fulfill the word of God. Let's see what he fulfilled. Luke chapter 24. And we're going to start reading right there. The Gospel of St. Luke chapter 24. And let's find out. Jesus walking on the road to Emmaus. He's going to appeal to the disciples. Watch what he says in verse 35. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road. And how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And, Jesus, and just as they were telling, uh, telling Jesus about it, Jesus himself suddenly standing there among them. They talking about Jesus, there he was. He said, peace be to you, he says. But the whole group was startled, frightening, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he says? Why are your heart filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me. Make sure that I'm not a ghost. Because ghosts do not have bodies. As you see that I do. As he spake, he showed them his hands and his feet. They stood there in unbelief. Filled with joy and wonder, but yet in disbelief. Then he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate it as they watched. Then he says, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and in the psalm, listen, must be fulfilled. Everything about me in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened our minds to understand the scripture. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die, rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that, the, that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations. Beginning in Jerusalem, there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay in Jerusalem and the city until the Holy Spirit come and fills you with power from on heaven. Then he led them to Bethany, lifting up his hand to heaven and he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. So they worshiped him and they returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. And they spent all of their time in the temple praising God. Isn't that something? Everything was fulfilled in the law of Moses, in the Psalms, and in the prophets. Jesus fulfilled them all. Well, you can't now go back and add these things to the grace of God. Do you understand what it means by grace and truth came by Jesus Christ? John chapter 1 verse 17. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. All right, now what's grace? Grace is God has finished his work. So that's why I read to you this morning, I read to you in Psalm 40. Let's go back there again. 
Psalms 40. I just want to show you a verse. I'm not going to be able to go through all that this again. Psalms 40. You'll be able to get that on the podcast this week. Psalms 40. Now, in Psalm 40, Jesus Christ came in verse number 5. Psalm 40 and verse 5. Many, O Lord, are thy wonderful works, which thou hast done. Past tense. Now, this is prophetic of Christ. Has done. And thy thoughts, which are to us, cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. That's why when you read the book of John, if the thing Jesus done had to be recorded, there would not be enough books. You wouldn't have enough books, man, to write down everything that Jesus did, he did in three and a half years. Then God says, sacrifice and offering. Remember you saying, sacrifice and offerings. Thou did not desire. My ears has thou opened. Burn offering, sin offering, has thou not required. Then said I, Jesus saying this, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. I delight for what? You delight what? I delight to do my Father's will. Well, did Jesus do the Father's will? Yes. What was the Father's will? To fulfill every jot and till of God's law. To fulfill the psalm, what the psalm says. To fulfill the prophets. To fulfill the law of Moses. Did he do that? Yes. Now, if he did all of that, then why do we take these things in the churches and we say, we ought to water baptized now? Wait a minute. When Jesus water baptized, you know what he did? You know what he told John? When John baptized him, he said this to John. It suffices us. Watch this. To fulfill all righteousness. And John baptized him. So when Jesus was water baptized, he fulfilled all righteousness. Everything he was doing was fulfilling the scripture. When he got water baptized, he got water baptized to fulfill the scripture. Everything that he did, when he kept the Passover, he kept the Passover because he kept the law. So you don't have to keep the law. Everything Jesus did, he did so you don't have to do. He died on the cross so you don't have to go down the cross, get it? He was buried so you don't have to go in a grave. He was raised from the dead so you don't have to spend eternity in a grave. See, everything that God did, he did it for us. Isn't that awesome? He did it so you don't have to do it. Now, I want to get into some things today because we left off with Galatia. Let's go back to Galatia chapter 5. And we showed you. Now, I'm just going to recap a little bit for you. I'm not going to be able to go back to these things. But this is what God did. He taught in John chapter 8 and verse number 30 through 36. I'm not going to go to those things. I talked about them this morning. You can write them down. John chapter 8, verse 30 through 36, Jesus says to those disciples that believed on him and followed him, if you continue, continue my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know, future tense, the truth, and then the truth is going to make you free. Well, truth hadn't come yet. Grace is the finished work of God, his cross, his death, burial, and resurrection, that's grace. His suffering, his passion, all that's grace. But truth is the written word. It is to reveal word, the new covenant, the new testament that was given to the apostle Paul for us. That's truth. All right? You can't add to that. It's nowhere in this Bible. For as the book of Romans to the book of Philemon that was given to the Gentiles or given to the body of Christ, Given to the church, any way you want to put it, there's nowhere in there going to tell you that you have to be water baptized to be saved. That you have to be circumcised to be saved. That you have to wash feet to get sanctified. You need to take communion. That's not going to be in there for you. But yet people are teaching that in the church as a part of their salvation. And when you do that, you make the word of God an effect. You corrupt the word of God. 
You pervert the truth. So my job is to tell you, I'm showing you this morning, that's why the word of God don't have no power in your life. You can speak the word of God, but it has no power because you're doing too many things in the church. The only assignment you have in the church is to preach Christ and him crucified. All right, now Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 is where we are. So now he says, you should know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Free from what? Now we told you this morning, Romans chapter 6, we wrote you verse 17, verse 18, we read you verse 20 down to verse 22, being made free from sin. So what did God make you free from? He made you free from sin. Well then, being made free from sin... Now you become the servant of righteousness. See, you can't serve. That word serve means to worship. You can't worship God in, in spirit and in truth if you have not been freed from sin. It was sin that separated man from God. Let me show you that uh, in Isaiah 59. See, that's why man could not serve God in the Old Testament was because of their sin. So, the, so Jesus took away the sin so man can worship the Father again. Isn't that awesome? Jesus took away my sin so I can worship God. See, I couldn't worship God if I did not get saved from my sins. Isaiah, why did, why did God and man were separated in the beginning? All the way back to Adam. Why Adam and God were separated is because of their sin. Why Israel and God were separated? Because of their sin. So watch what happened. Isaiah 59 verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. This was Isaiah told them, Israel. He said, your iniquity has separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that it will not hear. So the reason God don't hear man is because man has a sin conscience. Let me say it again. What keeps man from having a relationship with God? A sin conscience. Now, how can I verify that? Go all the way back to Adam in the garden. God says Adam and God was walking. God was walking in the cool of the day. God said to Adam, Adam, where are thy Adam? Then Adam did not respond. So God asked him a question. Have you eaten of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which I commanded you not to? Now God wasn't seeking for information. God knew that's why him and God were separated. Man had disobeyed God. Now man was separated from God. Well, what did Jesus Christ come to do? That's why Jesus said, John 14 and 6, I'm the way. What do you mean the way? I'm the way back to the Father. I'm the truth. Back to the Father. I'm the life. This is what you're going to get from the Father. See, you can't, no man can come to the Father, he said, John 14 and 6, but by me. So all these people practice religion, but it won't take them to God the Father. It won't, it's taken further away from God. God is a spirit, John chapter 4, verse 20 through 24. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. you got to first have the Holy Spirit yourself. And you cannot get the Holy Spirit without believing in Christ. Death, burial, and resurrection. Now, I know you could go here through all this stuff and... Try to tell me, well, I know somebody who got the Holy Ghost this way, got the Holy Ghost. Are you sure they had the Holy Ghost? You know, as a young preacher growing up, you know, I'm from Mississippi. You know that by now, right? But I'm from Mississippi, and I started out on my journey with the Lord on the morning bench. People told me on the morning bench that I can get baptized. I was baptized on Thursday. But we had to get on our knees on the morning bench. And then somebody, the deacons, would pray for us on the morning bench. And we were supposed to receive the Holy Spirit. 
So while we in the cotton field picking cotton and chopping cotton, they told us, nobody play with Earl, don't nobody play with him, because he's trying to get the Holy Spirit. He's seeking God, don't, don't play with him. And I said, what do I supposed to say to God? You know, what do I supposed to say? Is something I supposed to say to them? They said, oh yeah. What you tell God is, save your soul from a burning hell, and I'll serve you till I die. So I told the Lord, I said, Lord, you save my soul from the gates of hell. I'll serve you till I die. I didn't know all I needed was the pastor to preach the gospel to me. Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. All somebody had to do is come to me and say, Earl, I want to tell you something. Christ died for your sins. He was buried in your place. He was buried for you. He was buried as you. God buried the body of sin when he buried Jesus Christ. And then God was raised his son from the dead to justify you, to make you right with God. And all you need to do is believe that, receive that in your heart, young man, and God will give you the Holy Spirit. And you will be saved from your sin, from death, and from hell. Nobody told me. They said, oh, no, you got to get, on, the, get on, the, on your knees here and on, 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 tarry for the Holy Ghost and all kinds of stuff. Then people say, you got to be baptized in water in Jesus' name and then they asked me, say, have you been, do you speak in tongues? I said, I, no, I don't. He said, well, no, no, you ain't got the Holy Ghost. You know, oh yeah, I, I know tongues are the gift of the Holy Spirit, but it's not evidence you're saved. God wants us to pray in the Spirit. But you pray in the Spirit after we see the Holy Spirit. I understand that. But don't tell a man about receiving the Holy Spirit if he never received Christ. If you have never received Christ, the Holy Spirit it was given to Christ. So when you receive, the, receive Christ, then your inheritance will be the Holy Spirit. That is so simple. That's why I read to you Romans 8.32. Write that down. Romans 8.32, He that spare not his own son, but deliver him up for us all. How shall he not with him freely give you all things. See, God give you the Holy Spirit because you receive his son. The Holy Spirit is God's eternal life. You get eternal life because you receive God's son. Jesus said it this way, he that hath the son has life. He that hath not the son of God hath not life. You can't have the Holy Ghost without the son. Okay, so let's move on. So if your sin, Isaiah 59 and verse 2, but your iniquity has separated you between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you that he would not hear. All right, now, we're going to get into Galatians chapter 5 because we got some work to do. Galatians 5 says, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free. Well, my point is, if Christ made me free, why do I need the baptism pool? Christ made me free, why do I need the circumcision? Christ made me free, why do I need to be washing my feet in church? If Christ is the one who made me free, why do I need to be taking Passover? Why do I need to still celebrate Passover? So the first thing people say is, first of all, God told you. No, 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 no. Go back and look at that again. Nowhere in the Bible God told you. Let's go to the book of Acts, chapter 15. Let's go look at it. Let's see what God told you. Now, in the book of Acts, chapter 15, we're going to read verse 1, then I'm going to skip over to verse number 22. I do this because I want you to know. I could just go on to something else, which I am, because I want to get on Hebrews chapter 6, go on to perfection. That's what we're going today. Go on to perfection. I'm going to read Hebrew chapter 9. I'm going to read Hebrew chapter 6. We're going to perfection. But I'm going to show you, you can only be perfect in Christ. You can't be perfect with how you wear your clothes. That's not going to perfect you. So you got church will tell you, you can't come in. And my, my wife and I, we've been in churches all our life. And I'm telling you, people are telling you, you can't come in here with them pants on. Come on, that's has nothing to do with your perfection. You can't come in here with makeup on. Had nothing to do with your perfection. See, what you're trying to do is you're trying to perfect the old man. 
You're only perfect in Christ. That's Colossians 1.28. We'll get there a little later. You're only perfect in Christ. God is the only one that can perfect you. All right, now let me show you Acts chapter 15, verse 1. Now, remember, you can't add anything. Paul already told him, if you be circumcised, Christ shall promise you nothing. Listen to what he's going to say. We get that in Galatians chapter 5. But look at here. Certain men, we're in Acts 15 and verse 1. Certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren at Antioch, except you be circumcised after the man of Moses, you cannot be saved. Now, you can read that and you can say, well, he didn't say anything about water baptism. Yeah, but he said circumcision and he used the term after the man of Moses. Well, Moses also was responsible for water baptism. Go look it up. They baptized the animals. They had a laver in the holy place, not the holy place, but the tabernacle in the wilderness. They had a laver so they can wash the sacrifice. Why do you think Jesus Christ was washed? Because he was the sacrifice. It was a high priest who washed Jesus, John the Baptist, the son of the high priest. So he was a priest. He washed off Jesus, the sacrifice. See, everything was done to fulfill the word of God. Not so you can go and imitate him. All right? Now, Acts 15 and 1, certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and says, except you be circumcised after man of Moses, you cannot be saved. All right. Now let's go over here. Now, in verse 27, for time's sake, here's the letter that was written back down the aisle. Acts 15, 27. We have seen, therefore, we have sent, therefore, Judas and Silas, who shall tell you this, some things by mouth. Now, we have a letter here, but we're going to send two guys who was in the council. Going to tell you something by mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost. Now, now listen, the Holy Ghost. And to us, to lay up on you Gentiles no greater burden than these necessary things. This is what they said the Gentiles are supposed to do. This is the fourth thing that Paul preached in all his messes. These are the four things he preached. Number one, abstain from meats offered to idols. Number one. Number two, abstain from blood. Number three, abstain from things strangled. Number four, abstain from fornication. For which if you keep yourself from fornication, from things strangled, from things offered to, and, uh, blood, from abstain from blood, eating blood. If you do these four things, do you'll do well, farewell. So, so when they were dismissed, they came to Antioch, and when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the epistle. Listen to what he says. They delivered the epistle. Which when they had read, they rejoiced for the consolation. They rejoiced. Nowhere in there it told them that the Gentiles had to be water baptized, the Gentiles had to be circumcised, Gentiles had to do foot washing, the Gentiles had to eat the Passover. That's not in your Bible. Now, churches will do this because they think it's popular. They're giving people what they want. Listen, they're corrupting the word of God in your life. My job is to tell you the truth. They make the word of God non effect trying to please you. You got to tell the people the truth. The truth is the word of God revealed. And you shall know the truth. And it's the truth that makes you free. Well, it's the New Testament is the truth. My job is to teach you the New Testament, which is the truth. And this is how people are saved. All right, now, go back to Galatia. Galatia chapter number 5, and we're going to try to stay focus here. Galatia chapter 5 and verse 1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, wherewith Christ has passed hence, made us free. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. That's Moses' law. 
Behold, I, Paul, said to you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. I testify again, every man that's circumcised. Now you become a debtor to do the whole law. Let me show you one verse. Romans 11 and 6. Romans 11 and 6. This is one of the things that, that the Apostle Paul, he says, and if by grace. Romans 11 and 6. And if by grace. It's no more works. So you got to understand something. If you are saved by grace, then you can't add works. You can't add water baptism. You can't add circumcision. You can't add foot washing. You can't add communion. You can't add nothing. The last thing God told you in the, in the book of Revelation, if any man add or take away from the prophets of this book, that was in the book of Revelation, God would take his part out of the book of life. You can't add to what God already did. That makes you a transgressor. You don't want to be guilty of that. My job to tell you. Romans chapter 11, verse 6. If by grace, then it's no more works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be a works, it's no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. You cannot have law and grace. See, what happened in the church, what we were doing for so many years, like I said, this ministry, is 30, we celebrating 35 years of ministry. Uh, we, we found this out, that some got to go. It's not going to be the cross. It's not going to be the word. So the Lord showed me. I said, Lord, something is wrong. Something is wrong in this church. God said to me, well, you got to get the furniture out of the church. I, I, the furniture, what furniture? Moses' furniture. They used to sit right there with the bread and the wine on it. You got Moses. Now, you hear me real good. Because one of the greatest things that happened to me as a pastor is I lost some people. A lot of people. And the reason why is because I dare to believe God. When God said this to me, you got to get these other things out of the church. Now, I'm going to tell you a story. It's in Matthew 17. You can, be, you can go look at it, but uh, I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to tell you. Well, this is how he convicted me. They had gone up on a Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew chapter 17. And they realized that Jesus Christ revealed himself to them. Peter was there, James and John. He wanted them to see Moses and Elias. But then he demonstrated to them. Matthew chapter 16, he just showed them that Jesus the Christ, the son of the living God. Just told Peter. He asked Peter, said, who do men say I the son of man am? Peter said, you the Christ, you the son of the living God. He said, look, flesh and blood did not reveal this unto you, Peter, but my father which is in heaven. And thou art Peter. And up on this rock, not upon Peter, upon the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, I will build my church. And the gates of hell should not prevail against it. All right? Now, in chapter 17, God's going to check him out. They get up on the Mount of Transfiguration. And here God let them see Elijah and Moses. And the first thing Peter said is, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles. Wait a minute. Tabernacles is in Jerusalem. Tabernacles is where we worship. Let us make three tabernacles. One for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for Christ. Three. We're going to have three tabernacles in one church. The Lord, the Father stepped in. The Father stepped in and said, listen. This is my beloved son. Hear him. Watch what happened. He dismissed Moses. He dismissed Elijah. Elijah represented the prophets. Moses represented the law. He said, look, you don't need those two. You need my son in whom I am well pleased. Wait a minute. If he says, this is my son whom I'm well pleased, then he's not pleased with the communion table. That's Moses. He's not pleased with the water baptism because that's John the Baptist. 
Remember, Elijah was John the Baptist. Read Matthew 17. This is John the Baptist whom to come. So people have still got John the Baptist baptism pool in the church. They still got Elijah bread on the ta- uh, Moses with the bread on the table in the church. And then they got the cross on every church on their neck. But they have no power. And the reason you don't have no power because you are dividing the power. You got to take that communion table out the church. You got to cut off the water in the baptism pool and got to preach Christ and him crucified. And when that happened, the Holy Ghost will move upon that church and you will be powerful as a New Testament minister. Praise God. Hallelujah. Man, I'm telling you, this thing is real. I had to learn this thing as a young pastor. 40 years in the ministry, but I finally learned, but you can't preach for one thing in the church, and that's Jesus Christ and him crucified. All right? Now, in Galatians chapter 5, I'm continuing. Paul says in verse 3, I testify you again, Galatians 5 and 3, every man that's circumcised, now you become a debtor to do the whole law. Christ is become of no effect to you. Isn't that how it is in churches? I know, man, as a young pastor, you get to a place, you get to a dead end, you're struggling, and you seem like things are not working. Things are not working. And God showed me. He said, something's nothing wrong with the people. You're trying to preach to the people religion and tradition of men, and it's not going to keep them in the church. You've got to get back preaching Christ him crucified. And now the Holy Ghost will take care of the church. Because preaching Christ is the vision. And where there's vision, God will pro. Then become provision. All right, now watch what he says. Christ has become a no effect. We are reading Galatians 5 and verse 4. Christ has become a no effect to you, whosoever you are justified by the law. Now you may look at that and say, well, we're not, we're not preaching that. Yes, you are. You think you're right. Once you take communion. You don't think you're right if you haven't been water baptized. See, the word justified means they made right. People don't think they made right until they did something. People don't think they're right unless they wash feet. See, you're using the law to justify you. Watch what the word of God said, not me. Paul says in Rome, the Holy Ghost says in Romans Galatians, sorry, Galatians chapter 5, verse 4. Christ is become of no effect to you, whosoever you are justified by the law, comma, you are fallen from grace. You just left grace, you back in the works. This is what happened to the church at Galatia. These Gentiles in Galatia were saved. They had followed Christ. When Paul came back, they was back over at Peter's church. Back at Peter's church, washing off their feet, taking their communion. Peter's church. Getting baptized, they were going back to Peter's church. Watch what Paul is going to say to them in Galatia, chapter number 3, verse 1. Watch what Peter, gonna, watch what Peter right here, going to say it right here first. We are in Galatia 5, and verse 5 said, For we through the Spirit... Wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything or uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. You did run well. Who did hinder you, he says, that you should not obey the truth? Who hindered you to turn you away from the truth? See, that's what people are doing when they tell you you got to be water baptized. You got to be circumcised. They're turning you away from the truth. See, Jesus came here and gave you the truth. This is the same thing happened in the garden. God put Adam and Eve in the garden. Finish work. It's the finished work of God. They didn't have to do nothing. They was already in the garden. Here come the devil. Has God said has God said, that's what he did. He questioned the word. 
And you know what they did? They listened to him and they got put out of the garden. So Christ came and giving you a way out. Now you got to believe the word. He came 2,000 years ago and put things back in order. Gave you a finished work again in the garden. Put you back in Christ again. Here come the religious leaders. And they want to ask you a question. Let me ask you a question, brother. Have you been baptized in water in Jesus' name, brother? With the evidence of speaking other tongues, brother? You tell me you don't wash feet over there, crump. You tell me you don't baptize over there, crump. You ain't even in church no more. That's how the religious leaders teach you, treat you. They don't base your salvation on the death of the cross. They say if you don't wash feet, if you don't do communion, if you don't water baptize, you ain't even in church. My question is to you, how you become the church? What you are saying is, when you're baptized in water in Jesus' name, you become the church. When you're circumcised, when you're foot washing, when you take communion, you become the church. You've been deceived. You've been deceived. The only way you can become a new creation in Christ, you must be born of the Spirit. And can't nothing born you of the Spirit but the Word of the living God. My, boy, I'm telling you, this time is moving on. Let me move on. Now, I got to get to Hebrew chapter 9. Man, this is going to blow your socks off. All right, I'm going to start at Hebrew chapter 6 first. Because I'm going to tell you where we're going. If I don't finish today, then next week you know what you got coming. Hebrew chapter 6. We're going to call this going to perfection. We're going to perfection. Because that's what God said for he wanted when he started out. He said, be perfect. For I'm perfect. So we, Hebrew chapter 6, we're going to perfection. Now, this is the Hebrews, but I'm going to show you their journey. Verse 1, therefore, how are they going to get to perfection? Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection. They had to leave the teachings, the elementary teachings about Christ. Let me read this out of the NLT. See, you, you, when you hear this, boy, this is going to bless you. I'm going to show you how to get to perfection. And you're not going to be able to get perfection through the Old Testament. You're not going to get to it. A lot of people are trying to get to a lot of stuff, but you understand, if you don't preach Christ and crucified, you'll never get there. Hebrews chapter 6, I'm reading this now, out of the NLT. He said, so let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental. Uh-oh. Don't get quiet on me. We don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from, from evil deeds. Oh, you run into people today, that's the first thing. Brother, you got to repent, brother. Have you repented, brother? Watch what the Bible says. Let us go on to perfection. Let us go on. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repentance from evil deeds. See, when I read you Hebrews chapter 9, let me, let me do that now. Hebrews 9, 14. Let me show you how you got rid of your evil deeds. You think you repented and got rid of them? Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 14. Let me show you how it happened. Hebrews 9 and verse number 14. Hebrews chapter 9. Powerful scripture. He said, just think how much more the blood of Christ. Don't forget that word, the blood of Christ. So that we can worship the living God. But watch that. The blood of Christ purified our conscience. We're going to get down to some big time stuff. It took the blood of Christ to purify our conscience from dead works so we can serve the living God. Hebrews 9.14. I'll wait till you find in your Bible. 
It took Christ's blood to purify your conscience from dead works so you could serve the living God. Now, let's put all this in perspective. We started out in John chapter 8, verse 30 through 36. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Went to Romans chapter 16, Romans chapter 7, verse 16 through 18, and we went through verse 20 through 22, shows you that if the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. John 8, 36. All right, well, how, how you got free? He set you free. Christ set you free through his death, being resurrection. He set you free from a law of sin and death. Christ set you free. You, 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 you right. Now, let, let, me give you, let me give you one of these. These one of those ones which slap you side of the head and then hold you in a collar and say, did you see that, boy? This word is so good. Romans chapter 8. You know, I've been watching Popeye and Bluto a long time. That's kind of stuff. Romans chapter 8. Watch verse 2 now. Watch verse 2. And because you belong to Christ, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The spirit of Christ, the spirit of life, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made us free from the law of sin and death. Wait a minute. Now, if the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, Romans chapter 8, verse 2, see, I'm giving you the truth, made us free from the law of sin and death, then what did that man tell you when he baptized you? He told you, now you're washed from your sins. Now he told you you're forgiven of your sins. See, what he's done is lied to you. Because baptism cannot wash away sins. Because you get water baptized do not mean your sins are forgiven. Let me, pre let me show you something. Don't drop the cup. Let's go to Paul's ministry where Paul started pastoring at. He's going to give it this in Acts chapter 26 and verse 18. Let's go look at it. This is Paul's ministry. Acts 26, 18. Don't drop your cup. I'm coming to you. Acts 26, 18. Paul's ministry was to open the eyes. Acts 26, 18. God told Paul, open the eyes that they may turn from darkness to light, turn from the power of Satan unto God. Then they will receive, give them the word, Paul, preach to them Christ, the gospel Christ. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins. Wait a minute. I thought I got to get forgiveness from sin when I got water baptized. I keep telling you it's not in the Bible. It's the tradition of the church you're going to. Then they will receive forgiveness of sins and begin and be given, I'm sorry, a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. You'll receive your inheritance. Isn't that something? Open your eyes, Paul. Turn them from darkness to light. Well, you can't do that if you don't preach Christ and him crucified because Christ is the light that man got to be preached to so their eyes can open. But forgiveness of sin is not something that you get because somebody water baptized you. Let me read this out of Romans chapter 5. Man, I tell you, I don't get very far because there's so much, so much word. I, I'm going to get there. Romans, because we're going, we're going to perfection. Watch this. Romans chapter 5. I'm reading this out of the NLT. I'm going to start reading with verse 12. It says, when Adam sinned, sin entered to the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread upon everyone. For everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who, who did not disobey and split God and, and break God's commandment, as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness. He doesn't use the word gift of righteousness because that's what righteousness is. God's righteousness is his forgiveness. Let me say it again. God's righteousness is God's forgiveness. Same word. 
He says, God, wonderful, wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this man, Jesus Christ. As a result of God's gracious gift, talking about the gift of forgiveness or the gift of righteousness, it's very different from Adam's gift of condemnation. But God's free gift leads, leads to our being made right with God. See, remember how you're right with God? God's free gift of God's righteousness and forgiveness makes us right with God. Even though we are guilty of many sins, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused to rule over many. But even greatest God's wonderful grace and his gift, gift free, gift of righteousness. Wait a minute. If righteousness is free, forgiveness is free, why is God charging you? Well, now you got to be baptized in water. Well, why are they going to add that? Because that's their denomination. Their denomination teaches that. So if you don't believe that, you got to get out of that denomination. They'll tell you you're not even saved. Their denomination is stronger than your Bible to them. But what about you? You can read. You can read Romans chapter number five. Oh, this word is so good. Verse 17. For the sin of this one man, Adam, called death to rule over many. But even great is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness to all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through one man, Jesus Christ. Yeah, Adam's sin brought condemnation forever. But Christ's one act, one act on the cross brought righteousness, brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everybody. Now you tell me if he awesome or what? I said, is he awesome? Christ's death, bearing resurrection brought you a new life. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. What are those old things? Sin, death, it's passed away. The law, all those old things have been passed away. God has given you a new covenant and a new man Christ Jesus our Lord, somebody give him praise in this house, hallelujah. Thank God for his goodness. Man, I'm telling you, Hebrew chapter, Hebrew chapter 6 is where we're going to start at our next time. Therefore, leaving the principle of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on the hands, of the resurrection of the dead, of eternal judgment, and this we will do if God permit. God says, church, listen, go on. Go on. Stop doing these same things over and over again. The elementary teaching, Hebrew chapter number 6, verse number 1. Hebrew 6. So stop going over the basic teaching about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature and our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds, placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on the hand, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment, and so these things will people do if it were possible. That's why churches are not moving. They're still arguing, arguing about the same thing that cannot produce life. My time is up. I thank you for yours. If you're there with your head bowed, I want you to say something with me. I want you to know this, that Jesus Christ, God has given you his son. His son is the way, the truth, and the life. You can't come to the Father except you receive the son. You receive Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. He died for our sins. He was buried, and God raised him from the dead. So repeat, it, repeat that after me. Father, I receive your death, burial, and resurrection as my payment for salvation. I receive your death, burial, and resurrection for the final payment for my salvation. So my salvation is paid for. I receive it. I thank you for making me one of your sons. And Lord, right now, I receive your Holy Spirit. I give you praise and glory. Thank you for making me your son.
Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.